All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Am I Remembering This Correctly? This is the show where we take a look at some of history's most intriguing people and events. I'm your host, Caleb Giles, and on today's episode, we'll be taking a look at something the CIA probably wants you to forget. Uh, that being there are over 600 separate attempts to kill the Cuban dictator Fidel Castro. And these weren't just, you know, regular assassination attempts. Oh, no. The the CIA just, they had to get a little creative. Add, add, add some sparkle into their assassination attempts. Um, I guess first we'll just start off with a little background. Um, who was Fidel Castro? Well, Fidel Castro was born on August 13th, 1926 in Baran, a small town that's um, in eastern Cuba. His father was a wealthy Spanish sugarcane farmer who first came to the island during the Cuban War of Independence. His mother was a domestic servant for his father's family who bore Fidel out of wedlock. After attending a couple of Jesuit schools, including the College of Berlin, where Fidel ex- excelled at baseball, Castro enrolled as a law student at the University of Havana. While there, he became interested in politics, joining the anti-corruption Orthodox Party and signing up for what became an aborted, an aborted coup attempt against the brutal Dominican Republic dictator Rafael Trujillo. Later, Fidel would serve as the Prime Minister of Cuba from 1959 to 1976 and President from 1976 to 2008. Ideologically, he was a Marxist, Leninist, and Cuban nationalist, and he also served as the first Secretary of the Communist Party of Cuba from 1961 until 2011. Under Fidel's administration, Cuba became a one-party communist state, Industry and businesses were nationalized, and the state socialist reforms were implemented all throughout society. On the American side, following World War II, the United States became secretly engaged in a practice of international political assassinations and attempts on foreign leaders, most notably Fidel Castro. For a while, the U.S. government officials denied any knowledge of this program since it would be against the United Nations Charter. On March 5, 1972, Richard Helms, CIA director, declared that no such activity or operations be undertaken, assisted, or suggested by any of our personnel. And, you know, of course, that turned out to be completely false. Because in 1975, the U.S. Senate convened the Senate Select Committee to study governmental operations with with respect to intelligence activities that were shared by the Senator Frank Church. The Church Committee uncovered that the CIA and other and other governmental agencies employed a tactic of plausible deniability during decision-making and related to all the assassination attempts. CIA subordinates were deliberately shielding the higher-ranking officials from any responsibility by withholding the full amount of information about planned assassinations. From 1959 to 1975, it has been found that Fidel Castro survived an absurd and absurdly ridiculous number of approximately 638 assassination attempts on his life. And while I'm sure it'd be super interesting going to all of them, I won't touch on all of them all in this episode. I'll just highlight some of the ones that appealed to me and I thought were, you know, more exciting and creative. Uh, The first one, and one of my personal favorites, was the United States uh, government making deals with the mafia. Um, Basically, the way it all started is... In September 1960, Momo Salvatore Gianca, uh, a successor of Al Capone, uh, under who was like under him in Chicago, 
and the Miami syndicate leader, uh, Santo Traficante, who, who at the time were both on the FBI's Den Most Wanted list, were connected by, uh, were, were contacted by the CIA about the possibility of assassinating Fidel Castro. Uh, Johnny Roselli, a member of the Las Vegas syndicate, was used to get access to the mafia bosses. So, these people have been hunted by the FBI for years, and then, you know, when it's beneficial for the U.S. government, they decide, uh, you know, we'll give you, a, we'll cut you a little deal here, and yeah, so they, they brought him in, and uh, the go-between from the CIA was Robert May- Mayhew, who introduced himself as a representative of several international businesses in Cuba that were expropriated by Castro. On September 14th, 1960, Mayhew met, Mayhew met with Roselli in New York City Hotel and offered him $150,000 in U.S. currency for the removal, the removal of Castro. Uh, the declassified documents did not reveal if Roselli, Giancana, or Traficante accepted a down payment for the job, which, I mean, I hope they accepted it. I mean, like, if the government man came back with an empty briefcase of money, I don't know where it had just disappeared to. Um, according to CIA files, it was Giancana who suggested poison pills as a means to doctor Castro's food or drinks. Uh, such pills like this um, are man- were manufactured by the CIA's Technical Services Division and were given to Giacana's nominee um, for the assassination called Juan Orta. Giacana recommended Orta as being an official in the Cuban government who had access to Castro. Allegedly, after several unsuccessful attempts to introduce the poison into Castro's feud, food, Orta abruptly demanded to be let out of the mission, handing over the job to another unnamed participant. So he literally failed a couple times. I was like, uh, I'm going to pass it off to the next person. It's been nice dealing with y'all. Uh, I'm going to go. Uh, so later, a second attempt was mounted through uh, Traficante using Dr. Anthony Verona, the leader of the Cuban exile Junta, who... According to Traficante, became disaffected with the apparent ineffectual progress of the junta. Verona requested ten thousand dollars in expenses and a thousand dollars, also worth of communications equipment. However, it is unknown how far the second attempt went. So <laughs> he basically just they stopped, like they they failed a couple times, and eh, we'll we'll move on to something different. Uh, there's also been reports that after, like, the first couple times that he, that Fidel Castro found out about the poison, he would start, like, ingesting himself with tiny, tiny dosages of poison every day. Um, I'm not talking to you, Siri. My watch just asked me if I was looking at poison. I'm probably gonna be put on a CIA watch list now. But, anyways. (laughs) So, um... Another, another, um, you know, fact that the CIA learned about Castro in this deep dive is they actually learned that he loved scuba diving. So, um, one of the leading CIA agents, um, intended to use his love of leisurely scuba diving against him. Uh, one particular plan saw the intelligence officials planning to find a quote-unquote very large seashell and paint it in exotic and bright colors and place it at the bottom of the water where Castro was just going to happen to swim by it. However, this was no ordinary seashell, of course, as the CIA officials proposed that they stuff it with motion-sensitive explosives. Uh, 
Um, the aim of the plan was that while diving, Castro would see the sea shell and proceed to swim downward and pick it up, upon which doing so would blow him to pieces, which is absolutely ridiculous. And <laughs> just, I'm glad that, you know, there were at least some people who shot down this plan in the CIA because it was discarded as impractical, uh, according to official CIA documents. Um, it's also been stated that in many of the trials and the test runs, the explosives were defunct. And, I mean, we were sticking tons of dynamite down into the ocean. So, you know, maybe it wouldn't have been the most effective explosion. Um, in another venture into the CIA's ideas of aquatic murder, um, government officials decided to target Castro's scuba diving suit itself. Um, and this plan... The CIA planned to contaminate one of the diving suits with a fungus that would produce a chronic and debilitating skin disease. The diving suit, as well as the as an infected breathing apparatus, was meant to be given to Castro by an American lawyer, James Donovan, who had been involved in hostage negotiations with the Cuban leader. However, in a severe mix-up... I found this on the web. Uh, now my watch is asking me about hostage situations, so um, I, <laughs> I might be on a list. Um, but so the fungus would give him a skin disease and it was given to James Donovan to give to Castro. However, in a severe mix up, Donovan, upon making contact with the suit, um, mixed up the diving suits and gave Castro just a brand new one. So, you know, Merry Christmas, Fidel Castro and Richard Helms, who would become CIA director later, uh, called the plan cockeyed and said that the suit never left the laboratory. So nobody really knows where this fungus infected suit went which is kind of quite scary because i don't want to go like the pool supply store and get me a, a pair of flippers and get you know skin disease but that's neither here nor there um another plan involved castro's ex-lover giving a new definition to the whole crazy ex-girlfriend thing um contacted by the cia in 1959 um marita lawrence accepted a job from the u.s government um, where she was asked to sneak two toxin pills um, to, into Castro's drink that night. Uh, just one pill would kill him in 30 seconds, so I don't know why they needed to, but she agreed and attempted to smuggle a jar of ice cream containing the pills into his room. However, of course, you know, she botched the job. Um, where she stashed the pills in the jar of ice cream and made them um, gunky and unstable, because uh, they had melted, which was weird, because ice cream is supposed to be kept frozen, so I don't know how they melted. But, you know, we've had a lot of mistakes so far in the journey. Um, uh, Lawrence figured that she wouldn't be able to pry Castro's mouth open while he was sleeping and slip them in. Uh, so, basically, when she went to the room, she'd wait too long. He was already asleep after, you know, she bought him tons of drinks for the night. So he passed out drunk. Um, she's gone on record to say, I knew the men and I saw the outline of Havana. I couldn't do it. Uh, she, uh, she told Vanity Fair this and described her motions on landing in the Cuban capital as uneasy. However, Castro revealed to her that he had been, he had been on to her since her arrival in Cuba. In the bedroom that night, Castro offered Lawrence his own pistol. However, Miss Lawrence was unable to complete the job. According to her... He didn't even flinch, and he said, You can kill me. You can't kill me. Nobody can kill me. And he kind of smiled and chewed on his cigar. I felt deflated. He was so sure of me. He just grabbed me, and then we made love. So, we literally sent Fidel Castro a hookup buddy 
who we thought was going to kill him. Maybe it's not the best thing to try and, you know, send people's ex-girlfriends to murder them. Because, you know, maybe there's feelings still there. Maybe they can reignite the spark. Or, I don't know, maybe maybe Fidel was, like, into that sort of thing. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, I can see the, the headlines now. Ex-Cuban dictator shown, shown to have murder fantasy. Oh, that, that does not sound good. Um, on another instance, uh, it's been recorded that the CIA tried to slip Castro some LSD right before one of his speeches where he addressed the nation of Cuba. And, you know, reading that, there's probably a bunch of people in the United States who themselves wouldn't even be opposed to getting a dose of LSD from their government. So it's crazy how the times have changed. Uh, the U.S. government officials in this situation hoped that Fidel's ca- that Fidel's exposure to the LSD would force him to have numerous and vivid hallucinations while giving the speech, making him seem absolutely crazy and possibly making him attempt suicide. Um, for the United States government, this method would also undermine Castro's credibility, which in the long run they would hope they would hope would benefit them. However, on this particular day that the plan was supposed to happen, Castro used a different podium for his speech and chose to give it at a different location last minute. So, the United States saw that Castro was going to make this, like, grand, uh, this, this grand speech to the nation of Cuba on this tall balcony. And their plan was to make him trip so hard on drugs and have hallucinations that he would physically launch himself over the balcony... All of these just seem absolutely ridiculous. Um, Another one of my favorites um, has been deemed the exploding cigar. Um, And this is perhaps the most infamous attempt to kill Castro. And it came in the year 1960 where the CIA poisoned a box of of, of Fidel Castro's most favorite cigars. Official U.S. agents spiked the cigars with a body linen toxin strong enough to kill anybody who put one in their mouth. Later, the cigars were delivered to an unidentified Cuban citizen. Um, and according to the CIA, after that, it's completely unclear what happened to them. But it is clear that the box of lace cigars never reached Castro. However, the sa- around the same time frame that cigars were delivered in Cuba, there are some coincidental reports of Cuban citizens being found dead from smoking. So it's basically safe to say that the box never reached Castro and was instead smoked by some run-of-the-mill Cuban citizens. So the U.S. contacted this one Cuban guy and was like, Hey, can you murder your president for us? Here's his favorite cigars. <laughs> go, go give one to him. And instead, this Cuban guy saw he could make a quick buck, and he took the cigars and went and peddled them around Cuba, not knowing they were poisonous, and ended up killing a bunch of his friends. And if he continued to smoke after that, I'm so shocked. Um... Later, in the early 1960s, uh, the CIA made contact with a senior Cuban official, only known as AM Slash Lash. Each case officer testified that he did not ask AM Slash Lash to assassinate Castro, the church committee report writes. The record clearly reveals, however, that both officers were aware of his desire to take such action. 
At first, AM slash Lash asked for, and apparently received, a gash of high-powered rifles with scopes, which he intended to use for the assassination. However, the CIA also offered him a ballpoint pen rigged with a hypodermic needle, so finally the victim would not notice its insertion. But AM Lash apparently did not think much of the advice, according to a CIA officer, and complained that the CIA could surely come up with something more sophisticated than that. However, the, Cuban, the Cubans reluctantly uh, went after Castro. The plan did not go as well um, as intended, and in 1966, after being found out, Cuban Cubella was arrested for plotting the assassination of Castro and sentenced to 25 years in prison. Released in 1979, he was sent into exile in Spain. Um, and in the last attempt we're going to talk about today, which is ridiculous, um, the CIA also h- hypothesized a way to make Fidel Castro's beard fall off in hopes that the Cuban people would make a mockery of him. Um, and this plan <laughs> was basically to dust Castro's shoes with thallium salts, which can be described basically as a strong uh, depilatory that would cause his beard to fall out. Uh, it was supposed to be delivered to Castro by hotel management whenever he was traveling abroad and left his shoes outside his hotel room to be shined. But when Castro canceled the trip just months before, the attempt was abandoned. So after all these super, like, creative murder attempts, they're, like, straight out of, like, James Bond books and um, movies and, like, just these super creative things that all resulted in death, their last resort was... What if we, uh, what if we just made his beard fall off? Because, obviously, if the Cuban system saw him without a beard, they would all laugh him out the, they would laugh him out of Cuba, and then everything, everything would be okay. Um, which, you know, now we know that none of these were, profit, uh, were profitable in any way, of course, and kind of just made the United States a little, a little humorous laughing stock whenever these CIA documents were declassified. Um... So, sometimes stories like these kind of just make you wonder how the U.S. really cemented their legacy as a global superpower with such blunders as this. Um, And, you know, obviously there's still a couple hundred attempts and foiled plots that I didn't have the time to cover on this episode, but don't worry because I made sure to pick out the most interesting ones, I I promise. Um, anyways, make sure to follow me on Instagram at AIRTC.podcast for updates and notifications whenever new episodes come out. And with that, I hope you all enjoyed this episode, and I hope everyone has an absolutely amazing day or night, depending on when you're watching this. Thank you for listening, and until next time, this is Caleb, signing off.